Welcome back to the Relentless Minds podcast. I am your host, Lori Jimenez. I created this platform with a sole mission, and that is to inspire people of all backgrounds to create the change they wish to see in their lives and in the world by sharing the examples of those who are. As a listener, you will hear the stories of ordinary men and women with extraordinary stories of overcoming adversities in order to experience the life they dream of. All of these individuals share a common interest. They desire a change for the better, and they are in a relentless pursuit to create that for themselves. If you're looking for inspiration to overcome challenges in your own life, to create a life that you desire to have, then you have come to the right place. You see, the truth is, people everywhere are fighting for what they believe in, and together, with relentless action and mental strength, I have no doubt that we can fulfill that dream. Hi everyone, thank you for being here today to listen to a new episode on the Relentless Minds podcast. This is the first episode of the Unbroken series on the Relentless Minds podcast. In this episode, Justin and Jessica both share with us their experience of facing infidelity in their marriage and what it took to find the strength to make it work and stay together. Justin and Jessica met early on in life and shortly after fell in love and decided to take the next step in dedication to each other and got married. However, Justin was struggling with internal feelings of self-doubt, fear, and anxiety due to the pressures of his upbringing that Jessica was unaware of until it began to manifest in their marriage and nearly ended their marriage. In this story, Justin and Jessica combined their voices to openly and vulnerably speak about the struggles they faced in their journey to create the strong marriage they have today, a journey that includes a challenging childhood, depression, infidelity, and dishonesty, and unconditional love and forgiveness. Hi, Justin and Jessica. Thank you so much for being here today. I truly appreciate you guys taking the time to be here to share your story about finding happiness again in marriage after infidelity. Absolutely. It's our pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And Jess, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, to start off, Justin, um, I would like to really just get into Uh, your background story. Can you tell us what life was like for you growing up and what was the role that it played in you experiencing a lot of anxiety, self-doubt, and stress later on in life? Yeah, so I'm the youngest of five kids to two high school dropouts. My dad had five kids by the time he was 21. My mom had three by the age of 20. And so obviously life was a struggle with not having much money um, because of their lack of education. My mom was at home with the kids. My dad was struggling to find a job, just paying the bills. And so there were a lot of things that, that we just didn't have, you know, the, the security of having a roof over our head and food in our stomach, knowing where the basic uh, essentials of life were going to come from just weren't things that we grew up with. And then as we continued to get a little bit older, uh, things started to get a little bit better. My dad opened up his own business and things just kind of started to go in the right direction a little bit, but it didn't really take away that sense of um, insecurity that I had inside of me. And so whenever I was going through a lot of the things I was going through, it started to build up the anxiety inside of me. And so I kind of felt like I couldn't really put myself out there um, in terms of trying to buy into the securities of life that were being afforded to us as my dad started making more money. He ended up opening his own business. Um, but I mean, to go along with that, my dad is, as much as I love my dad, I mean, he wasn't a great father, 
by any stretch. You know, he was out there hustling. He was young with five kids. And so he was out partying with his friends, doing what, you know, young and mid 20 year olds do. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it, it created one of those situations where I just kind of felt like I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And with my siblings, you know, they kind of started following the example of my dad, the older that we started to get. And I was always the outcast in my family. Even still to this day, I'm completely unlike my brothers and sisters. Um, my oldest sister or my sister, <laughs> my only sister, she was a high school dropout, got pregnant when she was 16, just like my mom. My oldest brother, high school dropout, addicted to drugs and alcohol. My second oldest brother, high school dropout, addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so they really just walked that same walk. And what happened was I kind of became the golden child of our family. And as great as that sounds, it came with a lot of weight. And I always felt like I couldn't mess up, not because other people held me in such high regard, but because I felt like the entire reputation and everything for my family was riding on my shoulders. And so while everything looked great on the outside, I was an excellent student, great athlete, seemingly had everything going for me. On the inside, it was just that pressure just kept building and building and building. And it was just like, I knew at some point in my life, I was going to break. But I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could share that with anybody because nobody really understood me. Even though I was that kid that was a great student, great athlete, whatever, I never really fit in with anybody. It's almost like I was too smart for the jocks and I was too athletic for the nerds. And so I just retreated inward constantly. Um, when I got to high school, I didn't go to parties. Um, I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs like most of the kids do at that age. And so, again, I was just kind of that outcast. And it just kept building and building and building and building. I went to college and, you know, getting away from that environment, I thought maybe that would help. This was during the time when my dad was in prison. He went to prison right before my senior year of high school. And I'm the youngest of five. I'm 16. And I get thrust into the leadership role in the household. At that age, I become the man of the house. I'm sitting there watching my mom cry and drink herself to sleep every single night because her best friend and everything to her is in prison. And it was just all these different life experiences that really just had me on edge constantly. Again, I was great at masking it. I was the one that everybody thought was that person who had it all together, that I was on the track to success. And on the inside, I just had this deep, deep pain that nobody knew about. What were you doing to mask that pain so that people weren't realizing what you were going through? I think that whenever I was in social settings, I really, that's whenever I would go, whenever I was at school, like I would consume myself with my schoolwork. And that's what drove me to be that model student. When it came to athletics, I would consume myself with my sport. And that's what made me a great athlete. And then as I got into high school and I started getting up a little bit older, I started working out constantly. I mean, I would work out for two hours a day, every day. And then I became the, the fit guy and my identity got wrapped up in my body. It was like the, the external appearance of me because I had all these insecurities and I had all these, these weaknesses and cracks on the inside. I wanted to mask it with this tough exterior. And so it was just like, I always sought out those different ways to be able to mask it. And like I said, by the glory of God, I didn't ever turn to drugs or alcohol or anything like that. But it was just like, I had these seemingly healthy um, outlets that I was dealing with it through. But even then, nobody knew what was going on on the inside. 
Yeah. And so the dangerous thing about that is that it was hard. It would have been hard for people to realize that you needed help. Right. And were you at all trying to look for help, like with your friends or with maybe other family members or just people that you were meeting that you felt like maybe cared? At that time in my life, there was probably only one person that I would have honestly felt like I could go to because I've, I never felt understood by anybody. And this person was, he was my athletic trainer in high school and he still to this day, he's like a father to me. But for whatever reason, I never confided in him, um, at least not about the, the pains that I was feeling inside. He helped me with some of the more emotional stuff with my dad not being there and was definitely a blessing when it came to some injuries and things that I sustained. But when it came to that, I just, I never felt like I had anybody that I could really turn to. Yeah, I understand that. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And that really goes into later on how that really came out in your marriage, right? And that's something that we're going to dive into shortly. And Jessica, just giving us a little bit of, of who you are and a little bit of your background, um, I'd like to know what were some highlights in your upbringing that you learned to value and that influenced your life in a significant way? Um, my family, I, well, I'm one of three and uh, I'm the baby. So of course, you know, I was given everything. <laughs> I never went without us kids. We never went without my dad worked um, as a chemical plant operator and he has been since I was born And you know, he worked a lot, worked a lot of overtime. We didn't see him a whole lot, but we knew he was busting his butt for us, for us to have anything we wanted really. Um, I did all-star cheer for 14 years. So of course you could kind of guess my personality <laughs> from that, but um, I'm the loud one in the family. I'm very emotional, wear my heart on my sleeve and you know, my, my family is everything to me. So you grew up with a very close-knit family. Very, very close-knit. And you have two siblings. Are they brother, sister? I have an older brother. He's the oldest. And then um, a sister that is 11 months younger than him. And then I was about five years later. So you can tell, you know, I was, I was definitely the, I don't even know, the accident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But um, I was that, I don't know, they, my dad gave me everything. I was daddy's little girl very early on. And then um, I had anything I wanted, anytime. So you guys were raised in completely different sort of environments. Very different. What, I'm curious about when you guys met in your lives and where did you meet? Um, I was 16 and he was 19. I was a sophomore in high school and he had already been out of high school for a year. And um, I was at a party I shouldn't have been at, especially at 16 years old. And um, my sister and his brother, half brother, were dating at the time. And they now have a son together who is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, but I thought well, this is apparently how my story went, but I thought he was um, my sister's boyfriend at the time. And so we ended up meeting that night. It was kind of awkward. We talked for a while and then um, I left and I didn't know, but he and my sister were very good friends. 
he didn't know I existed. I didn't know he existed. Um, my sister came home on leave from the Air Force one night and she ended up having a few people over and he came over and swept my mother off her feet. And then we became really, really good friends, like best friends for a while. And so, Justin, you have a different side of the story. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there were, it was one of those things where, like I said, like she said, I didn't even know she existed and her sister and I, it just shows the complete polar opposite personalities that they have. Her sister and I were really close friends for quite a while and they only lived a few blocks away from us and I had no clue that she even existed. And it's kind of funny that first night that we met, like she said, she definitely had no business being at that party, but <laughs> she was walking out and she oh, was still talking to me. Story. I tell her that <laughs> she was so infatuated with me. She was actually going out the door and she closed the door on her own head. And so we have a oh little uh, boardwalk area, not too far from us. And I took her down there and they do like those caricature, uh, caricature drawings. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Hey, look, I want to take you over here. I want to have this drawing made. So we went over there, I had her sit down, but I didn't tell her what the drawing was. And so she gets up and I show it to her and it's a reenactment of that moment. And it's the door slamming on her head and it says whack. And it says, love it first slam. That is so funny. Oh my God, you guys are cute. So you guys were friends for years, right? And so when was it that you actually decided to start dating? Well, we- uh, Well, hold on now. <laughs> no. We, so at first, as she said, I started coming over there and just started hanging out. And obviously, because of our age difference, I was like, ah, well, I don't know. But then we ended up dating. Right away. We started dating and pretty shortly after. And then she we... kind of developed a habit of breaking up with me. It was only twice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we were off and on. She was obviously still in high school. And so she wanted to be able to be a high school student and do her thing and all of that. And I just, I knew very early on that she was the person I was going to end up with. And so I knew even after, I wanted to marry you. I was just not ready to be in that kind of relationship yet. <laughs> yeah. And so like, even after we broke up numerous times, I still hung out at her house almost every day. Mm -hmm. I had a great relationship with her mom. Like she said, her, mm -hmm. her mom and I are still extremely close, developed a really great relationship with her dad and her siblings. And so it was just kind of a progressive journey. And then once she got to the point where things had kind of wore off with high school and she was looking toward that next transition in her life. We got back together and been together ever since. Amazing. And so you guys met very early on in life, right? And no doubt times when you were still going on through a lot, through a lot of the stuff that you were dealing with that you were just mentioning to me, right? This period in, you were saying in high, just out of high school and then in college still, and so when it came, comes to when you guys were married, by the way, how old were you both when you, were, when you got, you decided to get married? I was 23. I okay. was when we got married. Yeah. Okay. 23 and 26. 26. Okay, great. And how was the wedding? Oh, it was awesome. Amazing. We'd do it all over again, as long as it didn't cost as much as it did. Yeah. Was it all just close family and friends or did you guys decide to getting the community involved and <laughs> she has a problem with feeling guilty about not inviting people to stuff and so everything that we do ends up being a lot bigger than I think it should be because of her guilty conscience so no it was definitely a lot more than we just had about 180 close family people and there friends 
that's a lot of people. Yeah. Too many. Well, what I can see is that you've got a big heart. Yes. That's what I can see. I yeah. can see that for sure. So when it comes to your early marriage life, how was that? The chemistry between you guys, the relationship and the happiness overall in the marriage. I think that going into the marriage, at least for me, um, you know, as, as much as I've always loved her, I was already deep into my internal struggles at that point. It had gotten to the point where, you know, I, I didn't see any way out. And so looking back on it, um, it was just one of those situations where I didn't go into it with the best mindset and definitely not with the best heart set. Um, like she said, I mean, the, the wedding was amazing. And even then you can go look at the pictures from our wedding day and you can see the pictures where I broke down crying when she comes walking through the doors. And so you can see the love that's inside of there. But the problem was, was that there was equally just as much, if not more pain inside as well. Can you expand on that? What was it that, because you're saying that you didn't have the right, you weren't in the right place. Mm -hmm going into that marriage. So what was, what was that for you? What were you going through? Well, there were, there were some extenuating circumstances. Like she said, you know, we were, my brother and her sister had a son together. And unfortunately my brother chose the lifestyle of being addicted to drugs and alcohol over his son. And he walked out and just left my nephew and my sister-in-law high and dry. And unfortunately, and, to kind of add another layer to it, not only were we brothers dating sisters, um, and now I'm married to one of the sisters, our families were extremely close. I mean, her parents and my parents did things together all the time. Uh, my brothers were really close with her sister. And so there was just a lot of cohesion and, and close knit relationships that have been built. And all of that just kind of fell apart and got destroyed whenever all of that happened. I mean, obviously, as you can imagine, her family is wanting to protect and take care of her sister. And my family is kind of different. Not that anybody was defending my brother. And that was really the root of the entire issue was our upbringings. And my family, it was much more volatile, uh, volatile. And so if there was ever an issue, it was one of those things where we didn't communicate about it because it either came to blows or you just kind of let it go. And with them, they communicate about everything. And so when it came down to all of this issue, she and I got thrust in the middle of the situation. And much more so because my brother was the one who was really doing all the wrong. I was kind of the middle person, the go between on both sides. And I felt like I was in a position where I couldn't do anything to make anybody happy. It was one of those things where I felt like from her family, they wanted me to handle things a certain way and I wasn't okay with it. And from my family, they wanted me to handle things a certain way and I wasn't okay with it. And I felt like all of the people who were closest to me were almost putting the blame on me because I wasn't acting in accordance to the way that they wanted me to act. And so it just created a lot of tension to the point where I basically just kind of wanted everybody to go away and leave me alone. So were you feeling attacked or isolated in a way during this time? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say attacked, but I definitely felt like I was on an island by myself. And I felt like even with her, 
even though she was the other middle person that was that was there my situation I felt like was even much more unique than hers like I said just because it was my brother who was doing all the wrong and it was easy for me to take my family's side and because of how I was raised and but he because he loves my nephew so much because it's our nephew I mean we he was our nephew before we got married so he had to try to do what my family asked of him, but he also didn't want to betray his family. So we both kind of felt like we were betraying each other's families in a sense, but we could never agree on how to handle that situation. So you guys were thrown into the middle of this, of this battle basically. And it just, it provided, it created a lot of tension between you two. Yeah. Yeah. And our personalities and the, I guess the, the things that are important to us or the way that we go about our lives are completely different. And again, it comes from our upbringing. So like for her, she, she wants everything to be okay and she wants everything to work out. And for me, I'm much different. And I think it comes from that lack of ability to, uh, to lean in and fully trust. And so she wanted in, in their ideal world, it was my brother gets, gets told what to do he comes back and everything works out and it's great and me because I knew my brother and because I was kind of <laughs> I guess it, for lack of a better phrase I was raised in the school of hard knocks I just knew it wasn't a reality and I even told them I was like trust me Colton is better off without him in his life and so it was almost like I was coming from a place of trying to be realistic and it was almost taken as a place of, oh, well, he just doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to be in this situation. And so he doesn't want to do what we're asking him to do or whatever. And so it was just one of those situations where I just, like you said, I felt like I couldn't do anything to appease anybody. But early on, it was more about your brother. And as time went on, it was more about how the family, how his family treated Colton, because it it felt as though there there's a lot of grandkids in the family there's a lot of kids there's a lot going on and colton is the nephew yes and they have lived with my parents since then and they're super close to my parents and they're just not as close to justin's family and so i felt that they had to be a certain way with colton they had to treat him a certain way, um, be there for him, go to his games, go to this, go to that. And it's just not that way. And I felt a lot that I, I put on him the pressure that he needed to make his family do these things, that it's not okay. Um, because of, I didn't want, I don't want him to grow up thinking, well, this set of parent, grandparents were there for me constantly. And these aren't, but in his eyes, it's, you know what? if they're not going to be there, then that's their problem. You know, that's, that's on them later on. And I'm, I want to fix things before they happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and her upbringing and my upbringing expectation is a big thing for her and expectations don't really exist for me because I, again, I didn't have any expectations because they were, everything was just in turmoil constantly. Yeah. So because there was no stability, I didn't have expectations. She grew up with a ton of stability and so mm -hmm. she has expectations of how things should play out. Yeah. So it's kind of like you just, you just take it as it comes sort of in your life. And I completely understand with that. I have friends now that I'm 
that, that have like with just with your life, it's just so much structure and it's like, it's eye opening and it's amazing to see that, but I can see how that created the tension in your relationship just this different, you know, background that you both were raised in. And so now in your marriage, what was the environment like? What was the relationship between you two? And how was that this conflict showing in your relation in your marriage? Um, at this point, so this was very shortly after we got married, within the same year. I think it was only like seven, eight months after we got married. Um, I noticed him. He had taken this job for the money so that we could be financially stable. And I've never been about that kind of life. Like, of course, I want to be financially stable. I love to spend. I'm a spender. But I would rather us love what we're doing. I'm a hairdresser. So I didn't make a whole lot of money when I first started out because that's just not how it works. Uh, but I wanted to do what I loved. Um, so he took this job for the money and it just dug him into a deeper hole. And at this point he was coming home from work, going straight to bed, wake up for dinner. We didn't talk. We didn't communicate for a few months. I mean, like it was silent in our house. Um, and I, I don't really know truly what was going on in his mind. I just thought that, you know what, it is what it is. We've been through some hard things, but we're going to get through this. I could tell he was depressed, but I didn't realize how deep he was. So Justin, what was going on in your mind during this time? It, I mean, it was things just continued to um, escalate as far as the the depression that I was feeling and everything that I was going through. Um, like she said, it was almost one of those things where as much as I loved her and as much as I cared about her, at it was almost like after we got married and kind of the that new honeymoon phase wore off, it was just one of those things where I, I could just never see an end in sight for this entire situation. I was like, literally, this is going to be my miserable reality for the rest of my life. And like she said, I, I got this job and I'm, I'm not the quiet type at all. I'm the, the goofball who's cutting up um, personality for days. And I went to this job every day and I absolutely hated it. Um, I've, I've, I've worked out, I mean, five days a week for, gosh, I don't know, 13, 14 years now. I wasn't working out. Uh, I didn't want to go outside the house. Just everything that makes me who I am was completely gone. Um, and I just was spending even more time because I wasn't doing anything else. I was just spending more time in my own head um, and just really fighting this internal battle. And what was your way of fighting this battle? Was it just, were you doing other things like, like trying to read books or, you know, looking to outside help or was it just internal? Nothing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean that's that's complete honesty. I did nothing at that point. Um, it this, was it was to the point where I just felt like I was too far gone. And it wasn't all him at that point either. Like I had an issue with drinking, and it wasn't that I was drinking every single day. It was that when I did drink, I would overdrink, and that caused a lot of friction because he's just not a drinker. So we we had this like lack of communication, 
then he's completely completely depressed, sleeping all the time. And then I would completely overdrink, and it was just ugly. It was complete and utter chaos. So there was things going on on both ends, and there was no communication in between. And what were some things, because you said you did notice some changes in, in Justin that you noticed that he was depressed. Like, what was it that you were witnessing? Um, really the sadness, the quietness. I mean, like you said, he's definitely a loud person, not voice-wise, but he's just, he's very talkative. He loves to make people laugh. He has a laugh that everybody knows, and those things were gone all of that was gone. We, we're a very goofy couple. He loves to embarrass me all the time, like when we're out in public. And half the time I'm all in for it. Half the time I'm not, I'm real embarrassed, but all those things were lacking. Like there was, there was just nothing. And I, um, I don't even know, like I'm not the one to go through people's phones, but I don't know what had me, maybe a text message or something and he wasn't in there. And I opened the message and I could see that he wrote his mom and he said, mom, I think something's wrong. I don't feel right. And I knew at that point that he was talking about depression. And so I just thought, okay, like we'll get through this. We can, we'll make a way through it and we'll be fine. So that's when you, that it really struck you or really, you really found out that he had, he was dealing with something yeah. serious. Yeah. And you mentioned that you were drinking also, like, was that influenced by the dynamic in your marriage or no. was this a social thing? Yeah, definitely a social thing. Okay. I, I had a problem of not knowing where my limit was and I would just go crazy. Okay. So Justin, I did want to ask you because I read this online about your story and you said that there was in this time that you wanted to have a fresh start. So you wanted to get everybody away, right? And my question to you is, what did that mean for you? Like, what did you believe you had to do to get this fresh start in your life? So part of my personality and I guess feeling like I was the most stable one in my family, I was always kind of the, the fixer. Um, like I never wanted people to be upset with me. I always wanted to make people laugh. I always wanted to make people happy. Um, and when I was going through this situation, because I was always kind of the connector, I wasn't the person who could ever hurt somebody. Like even all the girls I dated, I was always the one that got broke up, broken up with. I was the, the nice guy. And when we were going through what we were going through, really what I was going through, what I was going through, because I loved her so much, I could never in a million years imagine hurting her. But I, I thought that the only way that I was going to be able to get back to normal, to stop feeling the way that I was feeling, to stop having the pain and the struggle that I was going through on a daily basis was essentially for her to go away. So was that the reason why you would come home and you wouldn't speak with her and you wouldn't try to hold conversation and open up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just one of those things where at, I don't think at the time so early on necessarily that that's why it was just kind of me going through my internal struggle mm -hmm. and I, I completely felt misunderstood by everybody like nobody could help me and so it was just one of those things that early on I don't necessarily think that's what it was but as it progressed and as my frustration grew more with the situation and I kind of saw no end in sight 
then yeah, that was definitely the, the underlying motivation behind why I continued to get more and more distant. Were you at all in this time blaming any of your pain on Jessica? I think that, yeah, I, there was definitely a time where I started to blame her. I blamed her family. I blamed my family. I was blaming everybody. Um, but yeah, she was definitely the, the primary one at that point that I had begun to point the finger at. Were you isolating yourself from your family and from her family as well? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be around anybody at that point. Mm -hmm. So you were just pushing everyone away and you thought that by, by getting rid of this outside influence or, you know, these pain causers, you felt that you would be able to have a fresh start. You'd be able to be on your own and figure things out on your own without all of the other influences. Yeah. Right. I knew my family was always going to be there, um, even though I didn't want to necessarily be around them at that time. But yeah, I felt like if Jessica and her family would go away, then I would have that fresh start to just be able to get back out on my own, really reevaluate what's most important to me, find myself again, and then move forward from there. So were you ready to deal with that pain? Or were you even thinking about losing her as causing you more pain? Were you even thinking about that at that time? No, absolutely not. And at that point, I, I honestly, even though like with the text message that I sent my mom, I knew something was wrong with me, but it wasn't until after everything happened that I realized that I was depressed because okay. I didn't want to admit that I was depressed because mm -hmm. I, like I said, I, I was, mm -hmm. I was the, the person everybody looked to. I was always the person that if people needed advice, they came to Justin. If people wanted to have a good time, like laugh, goof off, do all those things, I was the person everybody came to. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to admit that I was depressed. I knew that there was something wrong, mm -hmm. but it was just one of those things where I just thought that the, the situation on the surface was the issue, mm -hmm. not realizing the issue was inside of me. Gotcha. Do you think you went through life think feeling that way, that the, the problem was your family, the problem was, you know, your, your, your examples in life and external factors and never really looking deep within, even though you were masking it with all of these other things in life, but not actually realizing that you were doing that? Yeah, I definitely had a lot of blame that I was placing on external situations rather than trying to figure out how I could effectively deal with it internally and to make myself stronger. It all came back to the, the root cause of just not feeling like I could trust. And so rather than trying to explore the solution to the problem, it was just one of those things where I was just like, well, you know, it, there's gotta be something wrong with them for me feeling the way that I'm feeling. And because I don't truly trust I'm not going to lean in and try to fix the situation because the situation must be unfixable. Mm -hmm. And so all of this ultimately, it led to this point where you decided to commit adultery. Mm -hmm. And what was going on in your head that caused you to choose that path? I had gotten to the point where even though things were as tumultuous as they were and things that kind of felt like they hit rock bottom, because I couldn't picture myself hurting her, I was too much of a coward to do that. And it just got to the point where I was just like, okay, this must be my only option. I even asked him, if you don't want to be with me, 
If you want out, just say the word. I'll, I'll let you go because I know that you're not okay. I will let you go. And at that point, he still couldn't even say what was going on or I guess tell me the truth about anything. So what were the events that led up to you committing adultery? Uh, it was something, I mean, it was just a situation where, and actually just to kind of add another layer to the story that most people don't know, it was actually her ex-sister-in-law that everything happened with. And she, oh yeah, so her brother was in a motorcycle accident. And so the, the sister-in-law had still kind of been around and she and I had always had a connection, uh, nothing inappropriate or anything like that, but we were just oh, always, right. yeah, <laughs> uh, we just had those goofy personalities. We were very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and it was just one of those things where with the way everything was playing out and the, the way things were going with her and Jessica's brother at that time and the place that I was in. It's just like everything just aligned perfectly. So at my, at, on my end, my brother had this accident, a very, very bad accident, didn't have his helmet on, had um, a brain injury, and he was in the hospital for two weeks. And where I was in my life, I was probably the best one to be able to be at the hospital with him the most. My job, I could take off what I needed to. Um, it, it just worked best. And at that point, I wasn't there for him. I, I was trying to help my brother and not help him. And it was just the perfect scenario. My sister-in-law came back in the picture. They had gotten officially divorced a month prior to this accident. And uh, we're about to hit the fifth anniversary of this. And so he just reached out. I had actually asked him, can you reach out to her? Because y'all are on the same level as far as your position in this family. Can you just reach out to her and just let her know that like, we've got your back. Just help her through this situation. She's kind of an outsider on this. And you're kind of an outsider on this because my family was there in the ICU in the hospital room. We were there constantly. So I like set it up perfectly for him. He started contacting her and it just went on from there. So it was a two week period where you were in the hospital mostly. And Justin, you were able to, or you were now talking to the sister-in-law and probably consoling, right? Um, I was going to ask you when it comes to, you said your family was also all there. What was your family, Justin? Um, I, at that point, I mean, we, we lived on our own and there was still really the, the division going on between our families. So, I mean, my family wasn't anywhere around. In this two week period, that's when you committed adultery? I don't think it, I don't think you've done anything physical at that point. No, it was just kind of, okay. more, I guess the connection had been made from there. I don't honestly even remember. And that's the craziest part about the entire thing. Just the emotional and psychological state that I was in. She and I have even had numerous conversations about it when it comes to a lot of the details of it. I, I honestly don't even remember when some of the things transpired. That's the, the craziest part about it. Okay. But they did transpire. Yeah. And, and then Jessica, how did you find out about it? Um, he was at a bachelor party in Austin for the weekend and we had just gotten new phones and it was about four o'clock in the morning. Well, to start that night, I was supposed to be going out with his cousin 
she and I were supposed to be meeting up for drinks. She ended up backing out on me and there, the song, um, it's by Ed Sheeran. I don't even remember exactly what song now, but I listened to it and it's a beautiful love song. And I just started crying because I knew that our relationship was not okay. So, um, I, at four o'clock in the morning, I still hadn't heard from him. And so I remembered that he was kind of the one that set up all the arrangements in Austin, the hotel, all that junk. So I was going to go get into his old phone to look and see at that group message to see what hotel he was at so that I could call the hotel, get his room number and make sure that he was okay. I'm a worry wart. So if you don't call me, when you tell me you're going to call me, I think you're dead on the side of the road. And then things happening with my brother didn't help because then I really think that something's bad, something bad is happening. So I look into his phone and I start scrolling the numbers, the names hadn't loaded yet attached to whichever number. And I just go to the first one I don't recognize and I pull it up and I just start scrolling and I see inappropriate messages. And the, the second message that I saw was you need to cool it around me so that we don't get caught. And by this time I looked up and the name had popped up on the phone and my whole body just like, I literally went numb. My hands drew in. I couldn't hardly talk. And I was just stunned. Like I never in a million years expected that he, I'm probably that naive person that always said, Oh, Justin would never do that to me. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. Justin would never do that to me. And in that moment I was retracting my words, you know, it was hard very hard. You're saying originally, and I'm sure this is why she was so surprised is because you had said, you know, and constantly showed that you would never do anything to hurt her. And so this was for sure a, you know, a blow to her face. But what was it then that made it seem okay to do that? Like I said, it all just went back to the fact that um, in a weird way, as much as I, I, as much as I knew doing that would hurt her, I almost felt like that would hurt her less. It sounds really stupid, <laughs> but it was like, I almost felt like that would hurt her less than me going to her for almost seemingly no reason at all in telling her, I don't want to be with you anymore. And, the, and it just shows the, the frame of mind that I was in because you hear that on the surface. You're like, dude, that doesn't make any damn sense. And it doesn't. But that's just where I was at. I could not ever picture myself looking her in the eyes and saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. And so it was, I had basically come to the point where I was going to force her hand to leave me because I, I couldn't, I couldn't build up the courage to leave her. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, in a twisted way, but it still was going to cause her so much pain. Yeah. Um, when it came to that, that decision that he took, Jessica, how did you feel about him? Like, did your view of him change at that point? No, I never, ever lost any kind of love for him. My first reaction was to just get a hold of him and to tell him to come home and let's figure this out. We can get through this. We'll make it through no matter what we've vowed in sickness and health for better or for worse, we're going to make this work. And after about 30 minutes of not being able to contact him, I had no choice but then to call my mom and just tell her, like, I need you to come be with me because I'm not okay. My whole body is in shock right now. You still knew that you were going to try to make this work? Yeah, absolutely. Why was that? Why was it that you made that decision to try to work on the marriage? 
definitely my faith number one um i know no marriage is perfect i know it's all work in progress and i had always said the moment somebody cheats on me that's it but i i, I couldn't i couldn't push him away because that love didn't stop like it it never shut off i all i wanted to do was just to help him and i knew it was because of depression it, even though he didn't know it at that point, I knew it was because of the depression. I knew that that wasn't the man that I married. And all I wanted was him back. So I wanted to do anything in my power to help him get back to who he used to be. Incredible. And Justin, how did you react to her reaction to your actions? Well, initially, whenever she found out in, in the back of my mind, I thought that I'd finally gotten what I wanted. Uh, she found out about that. And in my head, I'm like, okay, well, surely I'm going to get back to the house. All my stuff's going to be packed up and she's going to tell me to go and I'm going to have what I finally want. And I was completely wrong. On the way home from Austin, I'm in a two and a half hour car ride. And as we're getting closer back to home, she texts me and says, meet me at the cross at Sagemont Church. And they've got this just huge cross that's out in front of the church and I was like oh my gosh this is not what I expected I expected either the fact that she was going to do what she did or she was going to try to crucify me so <laughs> luckily it was the first option but we got there and I realized pretty quickly what her intentions were and how she was going to go about this and even then you know she she told me that she wanted to make things work she was willing to do whatever and that just pissed me off even more mm-hmm. And I remember she looked at me and she was telling me all this stuff. And I just remember looking up at her and, you know, looking back on it now, it's like one of the most painful moments of my life. But I just remember looking at her and I said, don't you realize I just want you to go away? I was like, why won't you just leave? And she looked at me and she said, that's why. She said, because that's not the man that I married. The man that I married would never say that to me. So you knew that there was a problem deeper than what he was showing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, I, I, all I wanted, because I knew he wasn't okay, and as horrible as it sounds, I knew his family wasn't going to help him through that. They would brush it under the rug. They would still think that he is, you know, the golden child, and they'd be like, all right, you did what you did. It's all right. Come on, join our family again. It's fine, and I knew that that wasn't right. There was nobody else. Probably my mom was the only other person that could have helped him through this, or, or not even necessarily helped him through it, been the ones to do it been there to support him through it. That's real love right there. But you did have to go through a whole journey to like both of you guys together and you also Jessica to be there for him. And so how was that for you to try to be there for Justin while dealing with the pain yourself? Yeah, we, so we had gotten, uh, we had an apartment and I was going to move out and I had told him, you know, I'll get a one bedroom apartment. Um, And he knew that I probably couldn't afford that on my own. So he's like, just let me, let's get a two bedroom. We'll move in. We'll just, we'll work on things or whatever. And I knew he still wasn't okay, but I just thought it was going to be a journey at this point. Um, So at one point I ended up leaving and staying at my parents' place. I stayed there, I think for two weeks. Um, And that was really difficult. You know, I had a job that I was around different people every single day, having my clients and my coworkers or whatever it may be. And I had to essentially mask my pain at work. All I wanted to do was talk. Like, I'm just not the one to hold things in. I, I say exactly how I feel. I, I tell people, they can tell that I'm hurting 
normally. So, um, we, we tried, we, we tried to talk. It, it still wasn't, it still wasn't working. Um, and in my mind, I thought that he was just going to try to work on himself. So we ended up moving into this new place and he had told me, all right, let's try to make it work. We'd start sleeping in the same bed again. And, um, I just, I felt like something wasn't right. There were, there was a night that he had tried to leave and he was going to stay at a buddy's house and it, nothing just really added up. And that was the night that I had told him, if he doesn't want to be with me, just to tell me, you know, he ended up leaving. Um, and my mom had called me and she's like, Jesse, it's just not right. It, there you're, he's not at the buddy's house. I'm like, it's okay, mom. Like, I'm just going to let him go. It's fine. Um, so then at, I guess a few nights later, there was a, he was laying on the bed with our dog and he, at this point, wasn't wearing his wedding ring anymore. So I knew he still wasn't okay. And he wouldn't let me post any kind of pictures of us, nothing together. We went through Christmas and new years. We weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed to post anything. I had no idea why. So, um, this was my end. This was my opportunity to post something without him knowing. And I posted a picture of him and my dog sleeping on the bed. And I just put my boys with a heart. And not even a minute later, I get a text message from my ex-sister-in-law. And she said, Jesse, we need to talk. And I knew at that point that they had still been seeing each other. So he, um, he comes in there. I get a phone call from her. And I, you know, I'm sure I said some ugly things to her. Um, but he came in there and he was like, please let me explain. And I said, no, this is it. I'm done. You know, one time was, I tried to help you. The second time I'm done. At that point, I wanted him to leave. Girl, I'm pretty sure I chased him around the kitchen with a knife because I did not trust him. <laughs> I wanted him to go away. I said, you know, I am working. You're, at this point, he hadn't, hadn't been working anymore. So I, um, I was working, paying the bills. Well, he was going off to La La Land and having fun, you know? And so I, at that point, I went from trying to help him to wanting him away from me. And it, he immediately, the weight was lifted off his shoulders. It was out in the open. It was, oh, that, this is a big part of the story. The first night um, that I found everything out at that, that next day that we saw each other, he had told me there was no sexual, um, acts that happened. They had just kissed and that was it. And I believed it, girl. I believed every bit of that. And then this time I had found out that it was all a lie, that there was, you know, other things that had happened. More to the story. Yeah. That was what the sister-in-law had told you. Yes. Well, both. And, okay. So they both told you at this point. And so you at this point said no more, you were ready to call it quits. And then you said that the weight went off the shoulders of, of Justin. So Justin, you tell me what happened at this point. Yeah, like I said, where she was in that position where she wanted to make things work. And that's kind of where I got pissed off about the situation. Because I was like, God, I, I still did not get what I wanted out of this situation. And at that point, I thought she was just a crazy person. <laughs> I was like, this is not normal. People don't do this type of stuff. There's something wrong with her. So I, apparently, I'm just going to have to try a little harder which is not really what my mindset was, but um, it was one of those things where when she found out the second time, it was almost like it took the, I guess the realization that the one person who in my entire life, I felt like I could depend on for anything really was about to kick me out. 
and was about to leave. You know, the, the first time I think things probably would have changed if she would have responded that way then. Um, but that's, that's what it took. It took me to see the person I loved more than anything hurting and not wanting me anymore. So she was showing you that she was going to be there through thick and thin. Yeah. So what, how did that change your demeanor at this point moving forward? Uh, well, you can tell that story. <laughs> well, so I, girl, I was ready for him to be, to be out of there. My mom called me because the ex-sister-in-law had called my brother who apparently they had been communicating again, nothing, you know, like in a relationship at this point. Um, so they called my mom and my mom called me and she's like, I'm on my way. Don't you let him leave. I'm like, okay. So my, my mom gets there. My brother gets there. My mom goes in and she's like, I've got this. And I said, okay. So I go outside. I'm out there with his mom at this point. Cause I had told her to come get him. He had only had his motorcycle at this point. So nothing could fit into his saddlebags. <laughs> so she was there. I was talking to her. I was talking to my brother. My, meanwhile, my mom is inside telling him, where were you this night when you told Jesse you were supposed to be here? Because I was right behind you. So there were very, um, there were a lot of times, probably 10 times or so that my mom barely missed him and this girl meeting because she just knew deep down in her gut before any of this started, my mom called me, Hey, are you worried about Justin and Lindsay and like their connection? I was like, no, not at all. Called him, told him. And he was like, I think that that in his mind or like, subconsciously was like, oh, this is my end. Jesse has no idea that any of this is going to happen. So here we go. So my mom is talking to him, getting him to confess to everything. I'm walking in, busting through the door. Where were you when you said you were here? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like getting so angry. I was like on a whole new level at this point. And um, finally, I had walked back in at some point and my mom said, Jesse, do you still love him? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she goes, do you want this to work? And I said, yep, absolutely. And she said, well, then you two need to sit down and talk. And they left. And we talked for hours. I mean, like, we didn't shut up for hours. I hadn't been able to get him to open up to me for months. And he just word vomited all over me with everything. What was it that made you finally feel like you could talk about all this stuff, Justin? I think that probably going through that situation and seeing the way that she responded made me for the first time in my life have that trust in somebody that somebody was going to be there by my side no matter what and I always felt that way with my mom but I never wanted to burden my mom with that you know it it was kind of one of those pride and ego things where I'm a grown man I can deal with things on my own um but to realize that I had somebody who literally was going to love me through anything and was going to be by my side and wanted the best for me. And it just, it completely changed everything for me. So this night was the night that really changed everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I knew, so I had this feeling this, like after I had found out things the first time, Um, I just had this feeling. I had told my mom, I said, mom, I I don't know how, when, or why it's going to happen, but he's going to snap out of it. It's not going to be this little progressive journey that I had originally thought it was going to be. I said, I just have this feeling that one day something's going to happen and I'm going to have him back. 
And that was what needed to happen. He needed to realize that he wasn't perfect and that, you know, other people seeing him fail was probably the best thing for him at that point. And the next morning we, we, when we woke up, he said, let's make breakfast. And I was in there making scrambled eggs and he slapped me on my butt. And I literally looked up and I said, thank you, Jesus. My husband is back. And I knew. Oh man, you guys are great. And so that was the beginning of this process, right? And then from there on out, I'm sure it was not completely, you know, clean cut. But at this point, I'd like to ask you, Justin, where do you stand now with yourself and with Jessica in marriage? Yeah, um, as far as for me personally, that was really the turning point in my life, especially leading to where I am today. Um, even though, you know, me getting into coaching and speaking and doing all those things was several years down the line, that was definitely the catalyst for the life that I live today was understanding just how fragile life was and understanding just how fragile as people we are and really wanting to help people to unlock that because I know that there's so many people who are living life every single day with the pains and the struggles that I was dealing with. And so it just flipped that switch for me being a kid who was seemingly had everything together, everything going for him, but I mean, lacked the confidence to do anything of significance in this world felt as though I couldn't trust anybody. I mean, you couldn't find a bone of courage in my entire body and it completely transformed me to where I wanted to, to take on that image of um, going out there and, and being the, I don't want to say the golden boy, but I wanted to be that person who was set apart. I wanted to finally, for the first time, embrace the differences about me, the fact that I was different because my whole childhood, I hated the fact that I was different. And now I finally embraced it. And that's where whenever you see on my social media or on my website or any of that, where you see that phrase, be uncommon. That's the heart behind that is because I want everybody to embrace the, the uniqueness about themselves and celebrate that rather than allowing them to drive or allowing that to drive them into a place where I ended up. And then in terms of our marriage, uh, shortly thereafter, after we got back together, we found out that she was pregnant and we had our daughter, which, I mean, that was just another turning point in the road for me. I mean, God knew what he was doing with giving me a daughter first. I mean, that completely transformed me to a whole new level. But I mean, we got our friendship back first and foremost above everything else, because that's, that's really what the basis of our relationship was that, you know, you hear spouses talk about the fact that they're my best friend or whatever, but we really were best friends. And so we got that friendship back and it's just continued to build and um, gotten us to the point where we are today. Beautiful. So looking back, are you happy that Jessica chose not to give up on you and instead chose to stay and fight by your side? Yeah, it's kind of funny whenever we both talk about it and we look back on the situation, I think people think that we're crazy whenever we say that we wouldn't change a thing about how it went down. Um, obviously for myself, you know, I don't ever look back on that situation with pride. I don't ever look back on it happy about what I did. But I do know that I went through the situation that I went through so that I can be in the situation I am now where we can do things like this and we can share this story and be able to empower others and to help people who are going through the exact same thing. And from her situation 
to be able to say the same thing. I thought she was absolutely insane to say that. But yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, where we are today is as a result of that situation. I mean, we don't know that our marriage would be as strong as it is today. We don't know that we would love each other. I don't know that I would have the same appreciation for her as a wife, as a mother, as a person, because of the genuineness of her heart that she showed me. Um, I had a question, a final question for you, Justin, about where you find yourself now. That's completely different to where you were five, six years ago, right? Where do you think you might be if this whole thing hadn't occurred? Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I I really, really don't know. Um, I tell people all the time, even though I'd never had suicidal thoughts in terms of taking my own life, I definitely woke up every single day not wanting to be alive. Um, so I don't, I don't know if, if that would have progressed and gone on to be a, a tragic ending like that or what, but I'm, I'm fairly certain I can say with confidence, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't be the husband I am today. I wouldn't be the father. Um, every role that I play in my life and the intentionality that I live my life with would not exist. And Jessica, I did want to ask you, where do you stand now with yourself and with Justin? Um, with myself, I, I'm very proud of how I handled all that. Like I said before, I've always been the one that said it would be over immediately. And my faith in God working into my life at that point drew me back in because I wasn't um, as steady in my faithful journey at that point it's exactly what I needed to draw me back in and I don't think I think I would be single and probably partying way too much and we know that that's just not healthy for me and that I mean none of that was I didn't want to go down that road and so I think that I'm beyond grateful for everything I have a tattoo on my ribs that says everything happens for a reason and I truly and solely believe that that is exactly how everything's supposed to happen because we wouldn't be who we are today without that. And the fact that you were able to take that from these events is so powerful and so inspirational. And so what are some main factors that you feel played a role in saving this marriage and being there for each other and developing as individuals? Like what were some of these main elements it was honestly the the only thing that saved this marriage was her faith because she is a because of how close close her family is she at, especially at that time is very very easily influenced by their thoughts and their opinions and what she didn't mention was that during that time there wasn't very many people aside from her mom that was that were in favor of her I don't staying think anybody with me was. <laughs> everybody wanted her to leave me I mean, including her sister, her dad, everybody. And it literally was an act of God that, that she did the things that she did. I mean, her, the way that she loved me through that situation and the way that I saw her go about the entire thing is literally what brought me to faith. Because there, I tell people all the time, that's not a normal human reaction to sit there and look somebody in the face that just hurt you literally more than anybody else has ever hurt you in your life. And to tell them, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to support you. I think on my end, 
yes, definitely faith brought me through that. But I think for anybody else going through it, you truly didn't need to know your partner because I knew that that wasn't him. And I don't want people to get a false sense of their relationship, thinking that their spouse or their partner um, will stop doing it or they can turn it around. Because I have several friends that had reached out to me for advice and I hated to tell them like I wanted to be positive for them but I also wanted them to know that their partner isn't Justin and they're not me and our relationship is different than other people's and I know marriages that have excelled after infidelity but I also know that some have not because they just don't want to change so I think you truly have to know your partner and know their heart. Justin and Jessica, I want to thank you guys so much for sharing your story of strength and forgiveness. You two are remarkable people, and I appreciate your vulnerability and honesty on this episode today. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and feel inspired and would like to be a part of the Relentless Minds community, you can join the movement for change on Instagram and Twitter. We would also love to know how your experience has been as a listener. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another powerful story. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.